March 12th, 2022, this is FOMOZOMOFO, a video game collecting podcast. Coming up on today's episode, Nintendo delays an anticipated title due to the Ukraine invasion, Sony releases a new State of Play presentation, and a Konami retro compilation is announced. Welcome to episode 9 of FOMOS of OFO. I am your host, Blue Swim, and we are live, as you can obviously tell from that botched intro, <laughs> on Spreaker.com and on Spreaker's podcast player app, as well as streaming digitally after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and all of your other favorite podcasting providers. Oh man, we got a big show for you this week because it's been a big week. We've got uh, Nintendo delaying a eagerly anticipated new strategy game uh, for reasons that I think you will understand in a moment or two. We will be recapping the Sony state of play from this uh, this past week. Not a bad show, but I, if, I'm, if what I'm seeing on Twitter is any indication, the most a uh, popular thing announced on it was a compilation of games that are, like, 35 years old, at most. I mean, it's like... I mean, it, wa- it wasn't a bad show. I mean, it re- really wasn't a bad showing or anything like that. It's just... uh, Yeah, there was one title everybody just lost their minds over, and, you know, there was, you know, there was a couple of smaller things here or there, but it just, you know, I... I I mean, personally, I was just okay on it. I haven't been as big of a PlayStation gamer in recent years. I mean, I pick up, you know, things I can't get on other systems or on the Switch or whatever. But, um, you know, I just don't uh, don't really connect all that much with a lot of the uh, AAA titles that seem to be hitting PS4 and, well, PS5, but I don't have one of those either. So I, I just I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon either. And it's not just because of the stock shortages or anything like that. But um, let's get rolling with the, uh, I guess, the top story of the week in collecting news. And that being Nintendo indefinitely delaying Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. And if you've played the Advance Wars games, you might know that, uh, I guess, one of them starts out with one kind of Russian-like army, country, whatever, invading another. And with everything that's been going on with the Ukraine invasion, Nintendo thought, you know, uh, we need to uh, give this a little bit of time in light of uh, world events. And they actually said this on Twitter. And Oh, in, in li- <laughs> I almost got it right word for word just from memory. Uh, in light of recent world events, we have made the decision to delay Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp, which was originally scheduled to release on Nintendo Switch on April 8th. Please stay tuned for updates on a new release date. You know, that is just one of those things where it's just very, very bad timing. For, you know, that game, which, I mean, it's going to be very good. I mean, those Advance Wars games are noteworthy for a reason. But, um, yeah, with everything going on uh, over in the Ukraine, it just... It, it was the uh, the right move to delay it. Um, of course, the thing is, when you delay something like this over an issue like that, I mean, it's like it kind of puts you in the position of having to wonder, you know, when is it going to be appropriate for Nintendo to release this? Um, you know, because, I mean, if... I mean, I'm hoping for things to be peacefully resolved over there sooner, much sooner rather than later. But realistically speaking, I'm, I don't know... I mean, I don't know if that's actually going to be a thing. I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to be going on for months or even years. Um, I hope it wouldn't be that, but, you know, it's already too much. Um, but, I, I, you know, and it, apparently the delay is indefinite. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, you're going to get it next month or something like that. 
uh, they just don't have a date on. And I guess they're just kind of taking a wait and see approach with everything that's going on in the Ukraine. And, you know, I hope, you know, just for the sake of the people that have worked on this for years, that it doesn't get delayed, like, too indefinitely, you know? I mean, it's one thing if it, like, uh, they push it back to June or July or something like that, you know, one of the summer months. I mean, if they do something like that, I, I think that's fine. But if they drag it out too long, I don't know that that's going to be the right move because it's like eventually it just gets to the point where it's like, well, like I was saying, when is it going to be appropriate? And, you know, hopefully it doesn't flat out get canceled. Um, I don't think it would, but, you know, eh, it's just the state of the world right now. Um, uh, speaking of Switch games that actually did get canceled... Uh, there is the uh, RPG by Obsidian called Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. And that is released on PC, I believe, and maybe other consoles. I think there was another Pillars of Eternity game on Switch, I think the first one. I think that one did make it over. And uh, it seems like there's very little to go by on this, other than apparently it did get cancelled. Um... And, uh, it's, I mean, it, you hate to see stuff like this, but with everything that's gone on in recent years with the pandemic, and I guess apparently they might have had some, maybe some development issues with this as well. Um, I, you know, it's, um, just one of those things where it's like, you hate to see it, but it does happen. I mean, you you really don't hear about Switch games getting canceled that often. I mean... Delays, you know, here or there, I mean, they, they happen, especially with everything going on. But a flat-out delay is pretty rare, actually. Or a, a flat-out cancellation, excuse me, is pretty rare. Um, let's see. I forgot to make note of this in more detail, but uh, Glover from the Nintendo 64 is apparently going to get ported to Steam. And, of course, Glover was the... Uh, hand-shaped mascot 3D platforming game from, I guess it was around 99, I want to say. I, I have it. I've played it somewhat. Uh, it wasn't my favorite game or anything like that, but it had some interesting mechanics to it. I think you were controlling a hand, and you could have, like, a bouncing ball to kind of get up stairs or platforms or whatever. Like, like I said, it's been a long time. But apparently some sort of, like, a uh, really well-done... Uh, direct port of the N64 version is apparently going to be hitting on Steam pretty soon. If it's not out already, actually. But, um, next up, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is actually really well done on the Switch. It's a great port on the Switch. Just got an update on, wait for it, the Switch. I, I try not to be, to play, like, favoritism with, like, the Switch stuff. I mean, it is my collecting console of choice, but it just seems like a lot of the bigger news items just seem to be Switch-related in some way, shape, or form. And it seems like Switch gamers are more passionate collectors from what I've seen. You know, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are like, oh, here's game number 689 in my physical collection. I'm like, oh my god, how do these people do this stuff? Um... But, uh, yeah, apparently uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot has gotten an update on the Switch, and what this update does is it brings over Card Warriors, which is a mode that debuted on the PS4 and Xbox versions of the game last year. And it's a collector card game. It's primarily online only. I mean, you can't even boot it up without an online connection, so uh, good luck kind of marathoning some games on the train or something like that. <laughs> but, um... Uh, it has a little bit, as far as, like, single-player, uh, goes, I think some training matches or missions or something like that. Uh, I really didn't get, uh, too in-depth with it. Um, uh, I really, quite frankly, when it comes to Dragon Ball Z and card games, it's like, you know, I, I check this out for fun. I mean, it's got some of the gotcha mobile game, oh, daily login bonuses and missions you need to accomplish and stuff like that, and you get reward currencies and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's not bad or anything, but when it comes to um, to uh, Dragon Ball Z card games, it's like, my go-to is always uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, 
and it's like, oh god, that game is like one of one of my favorite hidden gem games on Switch. It just seems like one of these things that nobody really talks about all that much. And that one is basically a port of an arcade game from Japan that actually uses physical, tangible cards. Um, and I guess they have like some NFC, you know, amiibo-like uh, or amiibo card-like uh, 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 near-field communication sensors on built into the cards. But um, basically, it's like the game. Uh, has like this digital screen in front of you. You have one for the main gameplay right in front of you, and then one on like the play surface where you put your cards. And basically, there's like four rows and like um, like an assist area that's the closest to you, and that's how you build up the energy level for your characters or the stamina for your characters. And then the other three rows determine how much uh, energy you put into the next round of attacks on it. And it's it's a quirky game. It's you know really out there. It's kind of surprising it actually came to the U.S. on the Switch to begin with. But, you know, the popularity of Dragon Ball is something that uh, cannot be denied. But, um, God, that game's been going on for like 10 years. That uh, that uh, Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission. I mean, it's like, in this, this game, it, it basically brings together almost every piece of like single-player content or story content or whatever in collector cards... Through, from throughout the like ten year history of that arcade game, and it's just it's neat, it's quirky, it's kind of obscure, and I just it's like I've put in like twenty hours into it, and I've just I've loved every minute of it. And I think if you're going to play any Dragon Ball uh, card game on the Switch, make it that one instead. There's definitely a lot more meat on the bones with it. I mean, the, the other one has you know playing online multiplayer and stuff like that, but. I mean, the card designs are just so much better in World Mission. It's just, it, it's unreal. They just look so damned good. And if you get a physical copy, they actually give you, like, I want to say it's like half a dozen actual physical cards with it as well. I actually never opened it up. I have never opened the uh, pack of cards up in mine. I always feel like, oh, you're going to destroy the repa- uh, re- uh, the resale value on it. And it's like, eh, whatever. But, um... Uh, let's see, moving on. Last week I talked about uh, Pac-Man Museum Plus getting a release on multiple consoles. Well, now we have more information on the physical release, and it is going to be only 20 bucks on PS4 and Xbox, and 30 on the Switch. Switch, uh, Switch tax. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, that's not a bad price for it. You're getting, I think it was like 13 or 14 Pac-Man games. Some of which have, like, uh, on-couch simultaneous play. And there's probably, like, some online leaderboards and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, that's coming out on May 27th. And apparently that's going to be day one on Xbox Game Pass. So uh, if if Xbox is your platform of choice, you um, might be able to uh, partake in that without actually having to open your wallet. Now, we've had a couple of smaller... Uh, like I said, it's like smaller niche titles that have gotten the uh, pre-orders opened on them. And the first I will mention is the uh, the impending physical release of Superlative Night Dreams, Cotton Fantasy. And you remember an episode or two ago I mentioned Cotton, Fa- uh, Cotton Reboot, which is a uh, Death Smiles-like uh, horizontal scrolling shmup. Well, apparently this uh, new one is, uh, I guess, going to be in the uh, same vein as that. And it's actually coming out physically on May 20th here in the U.S., and it's only going to run you 40 bucks on Switch or PS4. And those pre-orders are open now on Amazon. And speaking of $40 and Amazon, we have the Taito Milestones, which is... A 10-game compilation of 80s arcade games from Taito. And 10 games for 40 bucks. It's like, when I hear that, it's like, all I immediately do is I think back to the uh, PlayStation 2 era. When we had the Taito Legends 1 and 2 collections. And that th- both of those had more games than this. And I, I'm... I'd have to go back and double check, but I think almost all of these are probably already on that compilation. 
And, you know, these are older arcade games. You have Alpine Ski. Let, I'll, I'll run them down. We have Elevator Action from 83, uh, the Ninja Warriors, not the uh, American Ninja Warriors on uh, NBC or anything like that, um, from 87, uh, uh, Jack and Pop, alrighty then, uh, from 83, Frontline from 82, uh, Kicks from 81, Space Seeker from 81, Alpine Ski, like I just mentioned, from 82, uh, Wild Western from 82, the Fairyland Story from 85, and Haley's Comet from 1986. I mean, that's not a bad lineup of games, but it's like, I mean, I I, I think if I went on the Switch eShop, if they had these games in like the, uh, what's it, Arcade Classics, the ACA things, these are probably going to be like not far off from four bucks to be a piece to begin with, if not a little bit more. I just... It feels like too much for too little, especially when you go back and look at, like, uh, Taito Legends 2. That is just a spectacular compilation. So many uh, different games from, like, the 90s. You had, I think it was, like, a one of the Bust Move games. Um, Raystorm from, like, the PS1 was on there. I was just so many different games on there. I, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, like, whenever I get in, like, an retro arcade mood i generally tend to toss that uh disc in the ps2 and go to town on that but um 40 bucks for 10 games it's i mean it's not bad but it's like you have to have a lot of emotional attachment to these select few games to uh really be uh in the market on this i mean i think this probably should have been about 20 bucks but um it's a physical release you know it's probably not going to get you know a huge print run or anything like that. But um, it's worth checking out if you are uh, in the mood for some 80s Taito arcade action. Now, moving on, we will get to the PlayStation State of Play recap. And I watched this live uh, when it was broadcasting on Wednesday, I think it was. It was, like, in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, and, like, everybody was not happy about the fact that, you know, how are we supposed to watch this? A lot of us are going to be at work, and that's a very, very good point, you know, but um, basically, here's what you got. You got a, a new IP from Capcom called Exo Primal, and it's kind of like one of these uh, team action horde mode type things, and it features uh, these portals that rain dinosaurs. Yep. It rains dinosaurs. Can't make this stuff up. And it's like everybody was immediately just zoning in on the fact that Capcom's doing something with dinosaurs and it is not a new dino crisis. And... Yeah, I can't blame them for uh, getting upset about that because it's, uh, I mean, it was okay. I mean, it just, it, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's just, not, it's not my thing. It look, looked kind of dumb from my own personal perspective. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And some things are just not for me. And quite frankly, unfortunately, a lot of the PlayStation stuff I see tends to not be for me. Um and that's going to uh Exoprimal's going to be out in uh 2023. Uh next they showed up a trailer for Ghostwire Tokyo which has really good graphics and you know I mean it's an interesting uh take on the uh standard FPS stuff cuz it looks like you're more casting like some hand spells or something like that and I guess dealing with the undead. Uh, I mean it it looks interesting. It's uh it, I mean it definitely has that AAA polish to it. Um just another one of those things that doesn't really, you know, jump out as being something that kind of speaks to me. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to playing it. I mean, it, I mean, it looks decent, but it's just not the kind of game that I tend to go out of my way to play it anymore. But um, moving on, they showed a trailer for Stranger of Paradise, not Stranger, Stranger in Paradise, of Paradise, uh, Final Fantasy Origin. And basically, the uh, trailer just showed off some random bits of gameplay and then announced the fact that there is a brand new final demo coming out, which is out now, and I actually did spend a little bit of time with it. 
And this is basically a uh, Square Enix crossover with uh, Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja, who, I mean... I mean, Team Ninja knows action games. I mean, they uh, did some fantastic work on the original Xbox with uh, Ninja Gaiden, which is one arguably the greatest action game of all time. Um, uh, this one, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, first of all, the demo is online only, and I'm not crazy about that phrase "online only." Uh, but especially with demos, it just seems like it's such a weird thing to make you know, to have like an online requirement for. Now, granted, I didn't spend a ton ton of time with it. Maybe there's some reason later on for it to be online, but it's apparently it's a limited time demo, so I guess they're going to yank it at some point. But um, the thing uh, starts off with this amazing visual cinematic of, I think it's Golbez. I could be wrong. Uh, it's been a few years since I played uh, Dissidia Final Fantasy. <laughs> um, but... Um, but he's basically walking through this castle or whatever, and I guess he kidnaps uh, some woman at at the uh, at the end of I guess one of the deeper corridors of it. But what you see in the lead up to that is basically the uh, the after effects of these soldiers trying to stop him and failing miserably and horribly. Um, this is the most violent, gory, bloody anything I have seen from the Final Fantasy franchise in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you are seeing, you know, limbs getting cut off, and it's like, not you don't just see blood. It's like the blood turns into, like, these crystals, because it's Final Fantasy. Everything's got to be a crystal of some sort for reasons or stuff. But, it's, I mean, it's just... He is just hacking these people to bits limbs are flying everywhere i mean they're just getting slaughtered in this um you know in the cinematic and i mean just blood everywhere i mean it's it's shocking for the final fantasy franchise but i mean that's team ninja for you i mean they are known for bloody violent games and um you know, it's basically you see a little bit of a cinematic, then the story kind of jumps ahead a couple of weeks. It's like it's it, the demo's kind of disjointed, but when you really, um, it's it's like you take take control of the main character Jack in this one boss fight, and it's a spectacular looking boss fight. I'll give it that. Um, and you know, once that's over, then it you know plays the cutscenes, and you move on to like a training mission, I guess, and. Um, the training mission takes place in a field. And I'm playing on PS4. I don't have a PS5. And I'm running this in performance mode. Whatever the... Uh, I, I guess that was the default for it. Or whatever I chose. And um, basically in this field, it's like, you know, you see a few hills here and there. But you just see a lot of tall grass all around you. And... And I know I've gotten, you know, gone on rants about not comparing one console to another, unless it's like really literally accurate. But when I say that running this one sequence on the PS4 looked like a Switch game in handheld mode, it's like that's not very good. I mean, it's like the grass was very, you know, jaggy. Uh, it just, it didn't seem like a very, you know, visually, you know, refined experience whatsoever. And to make matters even worse, the gameplay, I mean, the gameplay itself is okay, but where they went wrong, and this is a recent trend, I saw it with, um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. And one thing that game did was it mapped some of your basic attacks to, uh, to the shoulder buttons. And they do that with uh, Strangers of Paradise or Stranger of Paradise as well. And I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? I mean, we have been playing action games with the face buttons on controllers for how many decades now? Like since the beginning, like all the way at the beginning of console gaming. And now we are using the shoulder buttons, and it just it just feels like a big nope 
to me. I, it just it feels like everything wrong with modern gaming summed up into one design choice. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I, I wish that trend would um, go the way of the dodo as quick as possible, but apparently these things are here to stay. But um, I didn't check to see if the controls could be adjusted. I didn't spend a ton of time with the demo. Uh, with the demo. But um, that's available now. I mean, it it basically. I mean, it's like the visuals. It, one thing I I forgot to mention was basically it's like the visuals reminded me specifically of playing Dynasty Warriors Nine Empires on the Switch, in that one field sequence, and that's just not good, dude. I mean, you know, DW Nine Empires is a good game, but. You know, those visuals on the Switch, they are rough. And if anything that, you know, reminds me of that on a PS4 uh, is not very good. But, um, I mean, the game's going to be out uh, next week, and I guess we'll talk about it then a little bit more. I'm not sure what else I can really say about it, really, but... Um, but uh, next up on the uh, state of play was Forspoken. And I mean, it's an, you know, they showed a lengthy trailer for it. I think it was about like two or three minutes, something like that. And I mean, it looks okay. I mean, it's it's like the, uh, I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm just ragging on PlayStation when they're not really doing anything wrong, but it just feels like a typical PlayStation sci-fi AAA title to me. You know, you have, you know, monster designs that look like the typical, you know... You know, you know the typical monster designs that you see in American titles nowadays, and it's like Japan really does like monster designs and robot designs and stuff like that. They just do that stuff so much better than America. And um, I mean, it really didn't do anything wrong. It just, it just wasn't interesting to me. And that's, I think, probably a sign of you know the uh, the distance between myself and the PlayStation brand, I guess. As a gamer, it's like my interests have changed over the years, and unfortunately, it's like the uh, the AAA sci-fi action games. I mean, it's like they feel like a dime a dozen at this point. It's like, what's the point? Um, but uh, next up, they showed a game on stream called uh, Gundam Evolution, and what this is is a three-on-three. I believe they said FPS done in the Gundam universe. And, you know, I mean, it's it looked okay, but it's like, I feel like, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of Overwatch a bit, I guess. And, I mean, it, it wasn't bad, but the most interesting thing about it to me was the fact that it just featured Gundam. And I'm sure there's going to be, like, some interesting special attacks and whatnot. But, um... I just I looked at this and I didn't think I didn't see anything outside of the Gundam license that it was doing any better than anything else on the market. But, you know, who knows? There's going to be a network test in the US and Japan in the spring, so maybe maybe I'm wrong about it. I mean, it just didn't really grab me. Now, the one thing that did really grab me. The highlight of the entire state of play for me, and from what I saw on Twitter, the highlight for pretty much everybody, because people lost their minds over this. And this this is the one thing I saw talked about more than anything else in this state of play. And that was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Cowabunga Collection. And this is a compilation of Basically, all of the early Konami TMNT games, and it is 13 of them to be exact, and it includes multiple consoles uh, in here as well. Uh, here is the list of games. You have, uh, for the arcade, TMNT and Turtles in Time. I have both of those in the arcade one up. Uh, great games, great games. And next you have, for the NES, you have TMNT 1, 2, the arcade game, 3, the Manhattan Project. I love that one. Um, uh, And Tournament Fighters. That's for the NES, too? I guess they're including multiple versions of that. I guess 
Let's see, for the SNES, we have uh, Turtles in Time, uh, you know, TMNT 4, that version of it, the SNES version, and the SNES version of Tournament Fighters, as well as the Genesis version of it as well. So three different versions of that. Um, and then for the Genesis, you also have the exclusive, the Hyperstone Heist. That's one I've never played. And to round off the collection, you have Fall of the Foot Clan, TMNT 2, Back from the Sewers, and TMNT 3, Radical Rescue. And those are from the Game Boy. So, I mean, this is a really good compilation of the early uh, Turtles games. I can't think of anything that got left out off the top of my head. And this was announced for the P- during the PS4 stream, but it is coming to Xbox and uh, Switch uh, and PC as well uh, in, two, uh, in uh, 2022, both physically and digitally. And this is going to be $39.99. Now, you see, this is one of those things where it's like you can look at it for $39.99, and it's not that many more games compared to the Taito, the Taito one, the uh, Taito Milestones. But it's like there's a perceived value with these titles that I don't think existed with that Taito collection. It's like these are, you know, incredible, you know, beat-em-up brawlers, action games, whatever. And, you know, some of these are going to have online co-op. Uh, you can save any time. They're going to have boss rush modes and challenge modes and stuff like that as well with it. And apparently some, they said something, somebody said something about HD texture updates. I'm not sure exactly what that could be. Uh, it will be interesting to find out. And um, I guess some bonus content like artwork and stuff like that. Uh, 40 bucks for that physically, yeah, I can deal with that. that that's, that's got the perceived value to it because, you know, these things haven't been released very much in the last, you know, however many years. Um uh, you know, it was kind of a, you know, it felt like a rare occurrence when Arcade 1-Up got the uh, Turtles games for the Turtles cabinet. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a great way to play all of those, and I'm definitely going to pick that, pick that up. That's getting bought. Hashtag that's getting bought. Uh, let's see. On the, uh, back to the state of play, we had the uh, Gigabash trailer, which is uh, basically like a kaiju party brawler if you will it, it basically it reminded me of the uh the pipeworks godzilla games that atari put out back in the uh, early to mid 2000s it's like you know it, it basically reminded me of those it looked i mean it looked okay i mean it's giant monsters beating the crap out of each other so i'm already interested in it um it might i mean i didn't get a great look at all the monsters in it but you know again what i was saying it's like I think Japan does it better than uh, America, especially when it's like Americans trying to design monsters that look like they're from Japan, you know? <laughs> it's like there's obviously a quality difference there. It's just a little something lacking. But, I mean, what I saw from for the game itself looks fine. Um, next up, they showed JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R. And of course, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, that's that's really gotten popular. I mean, it's like been a kind of like a one of those cult classic animes for quite some time. But it just seems like it's really starting to explode in the uh in the mainstream. And this is going to be a I guess I I I know there was already like at least one JoJo's game on the uh on PS4. And this is I guess maybe like a compilation or best of or you know, a revised version of it or whatever. And this is going to be, you know, it's a 3D fighting game and it's going to have 50 playable characters to it. That's why I was saying it's probably like some update or compilation or whatever. Um, so it's going to have 50 characters. I mean, the visuals look great. It's got, they really, uh, they pretty much nailed that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure visual style to it. And that's going to be coming out in early fall of 2022. And apparently it's also going to be on Xbox and the Switch, surprisingly. I'm wondering how well that's going to run, but, you know, I'm I'm up for finding out. It, it looks really good. I'm not the biggest JoJo's fan, but, um, but uh, it's worth a look at the very least. 
let's see. Next up was a game uh, shown called Trek to Yomi, and that was a black and white samurai two and a half D action game. Uh, it really reminded me of uh, what was it? Was it Kurosawa? Like like the uh, the legendary uh, Jap- Japanese director. Um, basically, uh, you know, a lot of the action movies that that he used to make. It's like, that's exactly what it reminded me of. And, um, I mean, it's got some sci-fi elements to it as well. Uh, not a lot to really go on from the trailer. I mean, it's just, you know, you know, the nebulous, you know, random phrases from the story mode here and there. And, of course, you have to play the full game to figure out what they were actually talking about. But, I mean, it looks interesting. Um, next up was the... Uh, 3.0 update for Returnal called Ascension. And that's going to be a free update coming on March 22nd. And it's going to add campaign, co-op, and survival mode. So not bad for free. Um, I think that's only on PS5, I guess. Um, you know, same thing again. It's like just generic AAA PlayStation action sci-fi game. It just didn't really grab my interest all that much. Um, the last two titles that they showed at the State of Play were the Diofield Chronicles, which was a uh, tactical JRPG, uh, Square Enix uh, JRPG, and I mean, it, you know, I, uh, what I saw looked interesting, looked good, uh, except for the fact that there was like one story cinematic where the lip flapping looked absolutely dreadful <laughs> i mean it i mean it's like you know how lip flapping uh looks on like vtubers and stuff like that you know like those uh those people that live stream as anime characters it's like that was a step up from what they showed in that trailer <laughs> uh yeah i mean it, it was that was pretty bad but everything else looked just fine and the last one that they showed was another Square Enix title, and that was Valkyria Elysium. And there was uh, some buzz about uh, some trademarks being filed for that. And it was revealed as an action game, I guess, in the... Uh, was it Valkyria? Was it Valkyria Chronicles? Something like that? Um, my, my knowledge of Square Enix titles from the 90s is not as strong as it should be. Um, but uh, the art style for it kind of kind of walks the line between realism or uh, between realistic and anime aesthetics. I mean, it, it looked, it looked just fine, but, um, I, I, I can't say that I was in love with the visual look of it. Uh, I'm interested in seeing where they go with it. See, you know, I mean, the character designs looks fine, but, um, that, uh, I, I don't know that they said anything about a firm date on that yet. But that was basically the state of play. And like I said, not a bad show, but it's like, I don't know, maybe my tastes have just changed too much, but it's like a lot of the, uh, you know, standout AAA PlayStation titles just aren't grabbing me like they used to. And it's it's too bad. It, I mean, I, I love PlayStation. I mean, these games are great. I'm not saying they're not. But they just don't really seem to appeal to me all that much. Next up, let's talk some new releases. And there's a big, big title that is out and about this week. That being WWE 2K22. And first and foremost, when it comes to WWE, last night, unfortunately, former WWE champion Big E suffered a broken neck on a suplex gone wrong. And, oh man, the outpouring of support that he got when that happened from, not just in within WWE, which, you know, you'd obviously expect, but I mean, just all throughout the industry, I mean, it's like people were just heaping praise on him and support like you wouldn't believe. And I mean, it's well-earned too. It's like he really got the uh, short end of the stick with his WWE title run. He should still be champion right now. But fortunately, he um, he gave an update earlier today. He did fracture his C1 and C6 vertebrae, but spinal cord's okay. You know, there's no other damage. No surgery required, so that's good news. 
Um, but yeah, nonetheless, it was really, really nasty looking suplex to the outside. He just, uh, I guess under rotated or whoever, uh, he was thrown by, I think it was Ridge Holland or something like that. And I don't think Ridge had enough power in him to fully rotate Biggie as much as he could. And he just came down right on the top of his head and it just, it was nasty, nasty looking. But, uh, fortunately for WWE 2K22, uh, you know, it seems like the reviews for this one have been pretty favorable. Um, they did change some things up a bit. It's not strictly simulation that some people are saying it's like kind of like in the middle between like a fighting game and a wrestling game. Uh, a bit more on the arcadey side. They have like a combo system now and, um, and stuff like that. They brought back the My GM mode from like SmackDown versus Raw 2008. So it's been a long time for that kind of mode. Um, you know, generally speaking, it seems like the impressions have been favorable for it. I mean, there's still glitches because it's there's always going to be glitches. Uh, but what is kind of uh, kind of interesting is the fact that uh, apparently WWE and EA have had some talks because you know things have not been going too well with the 2K relationship because of last year's game getting canceled and 2K20 being an absolute nightmare of a game. But fortunately, it looks like the uh, the extra development time actually worked out really well for this. Um, and if you want to get that physically, you can get it on PS4 and Xbox One for 60 bucks, and PS5 and Xbox Series X for $69.99. Uh, and you can also go for the deluxe physical edition for all four platforms, you know, not all four at once. Not not a four-in-one bundle. That would be a better... That would be a, much better deal. Um, but you can get a deluxe edition with the uh, Season Pass and the Undertaker DLC and the Rey Mysterio DLC uh, for 100 bucks, which is not too bad, I guess, for all that content. But if you want to get the digital deluxe edition, the NWO Forever edition or something like that, that's about the only way, I, I guess, from buying the content separately uh, that you can get the special NWO pack with Hollywood Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Six, Eric Bischoff, a couple of arenas and championships or something like that. Uh, you know, they're really uh, trying like hell to get people to uh, buy the digital deluxe edition instead. Uh, the war against physical continues. Um, but, uh, you know... I'm glad to see that this game has turned out to be uh, better than 2K20. That, that I, I just don't know if this is going to be enough to save that partnership, especially if EA is in the mix. I know they've had several talks throughout the years, but um, maybe WWE's finally had enough, no matter how good this does. Who knows? Uh, let's see, next up is a new uh, .hack slash slash g.u. Uh, that's a long title. Uh, a new game, or a new compilation rather, called Last Recode. And that is out for $49.99, and it compiles the first four uh, .hack GU games. I guess from the PS2, if I remember correctly. Uh, those games being Rebirth... Reminiscence, I guess that's right, Reminiscence, uh, Redemption, and Reconnection. And you can get all four of those for $49.99, and if you want a physical version of that, you can apparently have to go through the Bandai Namco store. And I was uh, checking it out on Twitter, and apparently some people that pre-ordered the physical edition through the Bandai Namco store right when it went up have already gotten cancellation notices. Gotta love dealing with these stores. Seriously, just do it through GameStop. You're a bunch of fuck-ups. I mean, seriously, I, I can't even tell you what kind of nightmares I went through when I uh, pre-ordered the uh, Street Fighter IV Tournament Edition stick through the Capcom uh, official store. Oh, man. That was a nightmare. I think I ended up waiting like three months for them to send it out to me. 
Oh, boy. But uh, another thing that came out this week was uh, Chocobo GP. And this was uh, something that Nintendo showed off in their Nintendo Direct uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, basically, it's a uh, Final Fantasy-themed kart racing game. And this is kind of... Uh, rubbing some people the wrong way, but I guess there's like some microtransactions or season passes in there on top of the forty nine ninety nine uh, full price for digital only in the U.S. as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, so that's been rubbing people the wrong way. Uh, apparently, if you want the physical version, you have to go through. I, I guess you have to get like the Korean or the Asian region uh, version of the physical release to get it in English physically. Um. But uh, for the U.S., we do have the uh, the benefit of having a free light version of the game, and I did download it. I did not have any time to spend uh, with it, though. I uh, got distracted by something else or work. I can't remember which. <sighs> but um, but yeah, if you're curious about that, you know, grab the free light version. It doesn't have all the content in it, but it has enough to uh, at least get the ball rolling. And you can play a little bit of the story mode in it as well. I'm not sure how much of it, but you can. Uh, Next up, and I teased this game a little bit on Twitter. I said, you would not believe what game came out this week. And it was one of these things where it's like, it's so obscure, it's so random, it's so crazy that it just, it, it feels unreal. But the fact is, you know... It is. It's legit. It's it's the real deal. And apparently, this game, at least in its original form, has had a um, like a cult following for like twenty something years. And what is it? Is it some grandiose JRPG or something like that? Maybe a racing game? No, no. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's Chex Quest. Yes, that pack in first-person shooter Doom-like game from, like, 1998 from the box of cereal in 1998. Just got a remake, re-release, whatever you want to call this, on the Switch. Seriously. Yeah, I'm I'm stunned here. Apparently, And it has single-player and apparently online multiplayer uh, PvP. <laughs> This is ridiculous. And here's the best part. It's five bucks. It's five bucks for Chex Quest on the Switch. I mean, there's probably like one or two people out there that are just losing their minds over this. But, wow. That is like completely out of nowhere. (laughs) But, um... Uh, yeah, it's, um... It's one of those games where, uh, just like the Diamond Cutter, you never saw it coming. Um, <laughs> but, um, let's see, last up for new releases is F-Zero X. And this hit Switch Online, the N64 version, uh, compilation, whatever you want to call it, of Switch Online. And uh, people have already been uh, jumping online, playing online multiplayer with it. And apparently it's still running at 60 frames per second, I guess. And uh, this is one of the last F-Zero games, I guess. I guess the, like last one of the last ones on consoles, at least. Because they had a few on the GBA, and then they had GX in or on the Switch. And there was like an arcade version of that, too. But this is like one of the last times F-Zero was ever on a console. And uh, it's a pretty solid game. I mean, it's not the most visually intense one in the world, but, I mean, they had to make some compromises in order to get it running at 60 frames per second. And, um, yeah, if you've never had the chance to play it, you know, Switch Online is... Apparently they've been doing some work on the emulation and things have been getting patched up and fixed up a little bit, so it's running even better than it was at launch which is definitely good to see that they are putting the money into that. 
Um, that's about all the uh, noteworthy new releases for the week, so it's time to move up, move on to uh, pickups and impressions. And I picked up a couple of things this week, and quite frankly, I really didn't spend much time with them. It's like by the time I finally get a few quiet minutes to myself, I play ten minutes, I read a little bit of the text, and my eyes start getting heavy. <sighs> I miss the days of gaming all night. I truly do. But um, what I did pick up was actually some uh, pretty neat stuff. I got the Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion. And quite frankly, it's been quite some time since the last time I revisited Splatoon. Uh, Splatoon 2 specifically. But uh, what inspired me to do so was the fact that uh, the DLC was actually on sale on Amazon for only eleven ninety seven, And that is down, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 to 40%, something like that. Um, yeah, I guess it was about 40%. And I thought, you know what? That's a good deal. I, I don't know that it was going to drop all that much further, so I might as well go ahead and grab it. And... Um, yeah, it um what I've played of it has been has been pretty good. Um it's a single player campaign and it puts you in the uh, uh in the uh, shoes of an octarian. And um I want to say I got up to like the first boss area of it and I just haven't gotten back to it yet. I've had too many other things pulling away at my attention. But, uh, yeah, apparently Amazon already sold out of it. Otherwise, I'd say go out there and grab it if you already have Splatoon. Because, I mean, 12 bucks for the DLC expansion, it's like... When it comes to Nintendo and expansion passes, those things seem to go on sale maybe once or twice a year. So it's like, whenever you see it, you jump on it. If you have the game and you're even slight, you know, slightly interested in it, you know, I mean, if, if you got the money to spare, why not? Um, not always the case. <laughs> but, um... 12 bucks. I mean, even I can afford that. Um, the next thing I got was actually I found a few thrift store finds. And one might seem kind of weird or unusual and might make you uh, scratch your head and say, Why the hell did he get that? I mean, seriously? He got that? Why? What would possess you to get that? And what that is is Madden NFL 2001 on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> yes, I intentionally, consciously bought a retro sports title. And if I remember correctly, this was the first Madden NFL game on the PS2. And the reason why I bought it was simple. Number one, it was a dollar. <laughs> that, that doesn't hurt matters whatsoever. But I actually had this game about 15 years ago. It's like I actually got it like right around launch because there wasn't a ton of stuff to choose from on the PS2. I mean, it had a really good launch, but, you know, it's like back then it's like, oh, you get a new console, you got to get the new Madden for it. You know, it was just one of those things that everybody was supposed to do. <laughs> it was like one of the unwritten rules of gaming back then. Now, not so much. Um... But I had it, and I sold it, you know, probably, like I said, about 15 years ago. And it's just one of those things where I thought, you know, I always seem to regret the things I've sold over the years. And for some reason, I regretted letting letting that go. So I uh, went ahead and I got it. I mean, I haven't spent any time with it, which is something I sadly say far too often on this show. <laughs> but, um... Uh, but you know, for, for a buck to just kind of, kind of like get rid of that, uh, I guess FOMO of sailing, uh, of selling, <laughs> um, I, I guess that's, that's not too bad. And, you know, it was in good shape. It was complete and wasn't beaten up or anything. So I figured, eh, why not? Now the next thing I got ended up kind of giving me a little bit of a swerve, um, I thought I was getting uh, Nobunaga's Ambition Daichi for the PS4. And, uh, you know, I get it home. 
And I noticed that it says, you know, Nobunaga's ambition on it. But instead, on the disc, it says Sphere of Influence. So apparently it was the wrong Nobunaga's Ambition game in the case that I got, and, uh, well, it actually turns out that this one was more well-regarded, apparently, from the uh, strategy uh, strategy community. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of like, eh, it all comes out in the wash. And I've played a little bit of it, uh, not, not a ton. I was still uh, going through the tutorials last night. And um, th- this actually isn't the first Nobunaga's Ambition game I have. I actually stumbled on... Uh, I-, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it was the Nobunaga's Ambition game on the Super Famicom. Uh, there was like a used media store that had it for like, oh, I think it was like $2 or something like that. It's like they didn't know what it was. They couldn't read Japanese. So they're like, uh, two bucks. We don't know what it is. So I'm like, yeah, sure. What the heck? I'll take a chance on it. And of course, it's like text heavy, so it's like <laughs> I'm pretty much screwed on it. But whatever. Um, but uh, I'm kind of curious to see how this works because I've been, um, you know, like I said, I was playing uh, Dynasty Warriors Nine Empires, and this is basically like the uh, the Warring States feudal era uh, Japan version of uh, uh, like the strategy portion of that game like the uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. It's like, this is the uh, Japanese version of that. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, I'm probably going to spend some more time with it a little bit later after the show. Um, and then last up, I uh, did something I haven't done in several years. And I when I say several years, I'm talking like four years maybe? Four or five years? And that is... I bought an NES game. And one of the reasons why I uh, got away from NES collecting was the fact that I really did not have an NES that worked all that well. It's like, I have two of them. I think they both need new connector pins, and I just haven't gotten around to buying one. Um, but last year, they had on clearance on Amazon, I think it was, or some random sale for like twelve dollars. It was like one of these like basic uh retron like A V uh like basic just you know just super basic NES clone consoles. And I picked it up last year and it was like you know, it has like this eighties like color scheme to it. It's like black, like teal and hot pink. <laughs> I mean it's it, it it looks like something like straight out of the eighties, but <laughs> but um it's actually pretty good. And I thought, you know, I haven't bought anything for the NES in a long time, and I stumbled on it, so uh, why not? So it's uh, Iron Sword, Wizards, and Warriors 2. And um, like I said, with just about everything I've played so far, I haven't spent much time with it. I haven't spent any time with this one, actually. Um, it's also noteworthy because apparently Fabio is on the cover of it before he really got famous. <laughs> It's like, okay, kind of random. Um, but uh, I looked at it, and, uh, you know, the cartridge is in good shape, and the gameplay looks uh, pretty interesting. It's like a side-scrolling action game, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, that basically does it for my um, my pickups and impressions, or most likely lack of impressions, <laughs> considering how little I played this week of what I actually bought. Um, but some weeks are just like that. It's just... You just can't always play what you want. <laughs> With pickups and impressions done, I believe that is unfortunately going to bring to an end this episode of FOMO's A Mofo. And I would like to thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. FOMO's A Mofo is available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, hey, you're listening here, uh, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, and Geosavon. Well, at least you're listening on Spreaker if you're listening live. 
And if you feel so inclined, please leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with the visibility of the show, and we've had some new listeners, both here and abroad, and that really, really just warms my heart. I'm I'm glad to uh, see the listenership is growing. Follow the show on Twitter if you want to stay up to date on when I'm recording live or when a new episode is going up by following the show at at FOMO's Amofo. Or you can also follow my personal account and get subjected to uh, random pro wrestling gifts by following at Blue Swim. That will do it. Have a great week, everybody, and happy collecting. Peace. And I do mean peace. We need it. <laughs>